Tonight's reading is from Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 26. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, "Long Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, He went home and knelt down, as usual, in his upstairs room, with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of his predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? 
Daniel answered, Long live the king. May God, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. The lions leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that any, everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. The word of the Lord. Daniel in the Lion's Den is one of the best-selling arch books of all time. Arch books, of course, you can just hold them up here. This is a quality religious books for children series from the St. Louis-based Concordia Publishing. In fact, Daniel and the Lion's Den is number three in the series, which now includes over uh, 479 or some big number like that. Yeah. But the series is, the story's popularity is not just limited to the Archbook series. It is one of the most popular of all children's Bible stories. On Amazon, there are 20 pages of different versions of this story for children. Perhaps the biblical story of Daniel in the lion's den lends itself so well to being told as a children's story because that's how it began in the Bible, as a children's story. Well. It's not like in the children's section of the Bible, because there isn't one, which I know a lot of people wish there were, to segregate the R-rated bits of the Bible from the G-rated parts. And there is, of course, a long history of making up for no children's section in the Bible um, by people interpreting the Bible as if they had the reasoning capacity of a nine-year-old. I'm sorry, I don't want to insult any nine-year-olds? Daniel in the Lion's Den is a folk tale. It's one of six folk tales that make up the first half of the book of Daniel. The folk tale features Daniel and his three friends from Jerusalem, who with the rest of the city are taken to Babylon after it, the Babylonians uh, capture the city and destroyed it. In Babylon, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are chosen for training in the royal court because of their intelligence and beauty, the text says. Daniel is written as sort of like a Joseph character. He is taken into captivity, but works his way into the good graces of the ruler. But all the while, he and his sidekicks remain faithful to the God of Israel. Daniel interprets the king's dreams Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego famously get thrown into the fiery furnace for not bowing down and praying to the king, but they don't get burned up. And Daniel interprets the writing on the wall 
for King Belshazzar, which is written by a disembodied hand during a feast in which King Balthazar uses the sacred captured vessels from Jerusalem to chug wine from. No one can read it because it's not written in Babylonian. Daniel tells the king that the writing on the wall says that his time is done. The king dies that night. After the final, and then there's the final of these six tales, Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel is so popular with King Darius that he puts Daniel in charge of just about everything. And the other conniving pretenders to the throne are jealous and plot to have him taken out. Through false praise, they get the king to enact a law saying everyone in Babylon can only pray to the king. Anyone caught praying to any other deity will be put to death. Now they know that Daniel prays to God, the God of Israel regularly, so they just wait until he kneels and begins his utterances, and then they burst into his chamber and arrest him. Granted, the prayer-based palace murder plot is nothing George R. R. Martin couldn't improve on, but they take him to the king, and the king is like, oh, no, he's Daniel. He's the greatest. He rules, like, almost everything for me. And then they're all like, um, well, you made a law, and now you have to stick to it. You have to throw him to the lions to be ripped apart and eaten. And the king was like, but I don't want to. And again, they were like, well, you made the law, no takebacks. And Daniel's like, don't worry about it. Really, don't worry about it. I know there's nothing you can do. There's no takebacks when you make a law. But my God, who I was praying to, the reason I'm in this trouble, my God will deal with the lions. I won't be eaten. It'll be fine. And the king says, really? Are you sure? Daniel tells him to relax. I'll see you in the morning. Save me a bagel. But the king, he cannot sleep. He cannot sleep. He's hoping Daniel's God comes through. And then as soon as it's morning, the king rushes down to the lion's den, which I guess is a normal thing that kings of Babylon have at their palaces. Like you just take a right past the feasting room and then just keep going until you hear the nine kind of a place. And so the king runs there and the guards open the door to the den. And there is Daniel. There's Daniel petting the lions, the lions purring. And the king goes, Daniel, like you, like your God is awesome. And Daniel takes, and he takes Daniel by the hand and pulls him along all the way back past the feasting room to the throne room yelling, hey, everybody, look, it's Daniel. He didn't get eaten. His God has totally saved him. Totally kept the lions from eating him. Wait, wait, I have a new law, he says. Everybody should pray to Daniel's God. How about this, too? Let's throw those other guys into the lion's den and have them eaten. And the guards haul away the plotters, and then the lions lick their lips and wink. I know I kind of went into a little cartoon version of it, but it just kept playing out in my head. I love these folk tales. I, they are folk tales from inside the empire. They are folk tale, the folk tales of the enslaved, the oppressed, the powerless people, telling tales in which the powerful, the oppressors, the kings, all look like idiots. And our guy gets over on them every time. Our guy, Daniel, he is wise, clever, beautiful, 
with muscular, rippling faith in God and three fireproof friends. I love our guy. In six chapters, he schools three different Babylonian kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and Darius. They should never have taken him into captivity. Never. These stories are fun and funny and necessary. They are like a pause, a break. A break because the real powerful, the real oppressors, the real rulers of Babylon, they are not idiots. They are not buffoons. They are not impotent. The real oppressors, the real powerful, the real rulers of Babylon, they are smart. They are the smartest ones. They have all the wealth they need, mind-boggling wealth. They have power in ways you could not describe. And you know what? We don't have anybody on the inside. None of us are fireproof. We need these stories, these caricatures of the rulers of Babylon, these lampoons of power. We need these stories because when we tell them to each other and we laugh together, it bolsters our faith. It reminds us that what we are doing, that we are doing this together. And this is important because our faith in our God and our community is what feeds our hope, our hope that Babylon will fall. One day, that Babylon will fall. And we need to tell these tales together because beside the pratfalls of the powerful, we need to tell each other about our hero, that one that did not give in, one of us who no matter what or no matter how hard it is, stood up, spoke up, worked hard, and never, never prayed to the idols of empire. Because I personally dropped to my knees in front of every idol Babylon puts in front of me. I am down on my knees worshiping without even realizing it. I need to hear these stories. I need to come here. I need to come here with you to be reminded, to be pulled up, and be reminded that the radical mercy can overcome hate, even when that hate seems overwhelming. I need to confess the faith, live the mercy, receive the hope. Babylon does not prevail. There are signs all around. Our faith is not in vain. Signs, large and small, from the smallest gesture to the declaration of a law to provide care for those who need it and equality for those who have been denied it. It's hard and there's more work to do. But for today, let us just pause and revel in this great 
thanksgiving.